Welcome to MuggleCast 378, your podcast talking about everything in J.K. Rowling's Wizarding World. I'm Andrew. I'm Eric. And I'm Micah. We have some birthdays coming up, and they're not ours. Well, well. for yourself. When's your birthday, Micah? August 17th. Oh, well, that's that's very far in this day and age. Uh, I, I've, I'm trying to say happy birthday to Harry Potter and J.K. Rowling on July 31st. Aw, that's like two days from now. That's super soon. Mm-hmm. What do you guys think was Harry's worst birthday? Probably the one that happens inside the chapter called The Worst Birthday <laughs> uh, in book two. But then again, that was fairly early on in the Harry Potter series. And I tend to think that he probably had it worse in book five. Yeah. We did a list on Hypable a while ago. I thought we could talk about it. Ranking Harry Potter's birthdays from worse to better. <laughs> Yeah, I like that she used the word better because none of them were actually great. <laughs> but yeah, she had Chamber of Secrets uh, as the worst birthday. I mean, the guy's just trying to enjoy his day. And then there's Dobby getting in the way, stealing all the birthday cards. That must have hurt him so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I tend to agree with Eric. I, I do think Order of the Phoenix is probably right up there, just given everything that happens prior to... Uh, in Goblet of Fire, he's still dealing with Voldemort coming back with Cedric Diggory's death. He's completely isolated from those that uh, he wants to hear from. And then Dumbledore ends up being a huge douche to him throughout uh, the course mm-hmm. of the book. So I uh, Though he didn't know what that word meant at that tender no, age. No, probably not. Although he's getting there. <laughs> he's, he's five years in. <laughs> uh, best birthday, Sorcerer's Stone? Because Gotta be. you're a wizard, Harry. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Yeah, I think that makes the most I sense. agree with this. This is a great article, actually. It's well-written, well-thought-out, um, and the artwork chosen is is good for it. It's very easy to read. The, yeah, um, I think it's the Pottermore stuff. Yeah, but the, uh, the Sorcerer's Stone one, definitely. I had actually forgotten that in Deathly Hallows. He, so in Half-Blood Prince is probably also a contender because he has his first birthday party. He does it at the Burrow. It's exciting. But um, the one in book seven, uh, George has just lost his ear and Mad-Eye Moody has just died. So he has a party. He's like actually surrounded by all of his friends for once. But mm. it was kind of this lingering, looming feeling of what he must do. So, yeah. yeah, probably 11. Don't we just you guys have any like big, big like birthday parties when you were very young that you still think about or remember? Actually, yeah, there was one at McDonald's. Yeah, like in the like <laughs> when I in was the, really young, and for some reason I still remember the it. designated play area. Why? Oh, I'm wondering because like remember what it was like to be 11. Like if we're saying that Harry's 11th birthday was his best, like don't we all kind of wish we could be 11 again? Yeah, I think when you're younger, you have the best birthday parties. Now I just don't want to have birthday parties. I don't like the attention. Yeah, believe it or not. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think I you would enjoy maybe just going out with friends, drinks, dinner, that sort of thing. It changes as you get older, that's for sure. But right, the first right. birthday, the 11th birthday, to me, has to be the best. Just because you think about the fact that he didn't get any attention on his birthday prior to this. You know, he's, yeah. you know this, this, this is the first meaningful birthday that, that he's ever had. And yeah. Hagrid's there and... So I, I, any, any party that has Hagrid. That's a party. Yeah. 
<laughs> you know what is crazy, Micah? I I was um, hanging out with people the other day, and they're adults our age, and they said they're rereading the books with the illustrated editions, and they're reading them together. They're a couple. I was like, oh, that's cute. And they said they're they and they read the books out loud, and their Hagrid voice is Southern. I was like, that's crazy, because I know somebody who does Southern Hagrid voice as well. Now, are they from the South? No. They're, wow. They live here in Chicago. Were they inspired by listening to my Southern Hagrid, or have they no, never I didn't bring it up to the to podcast them. before? No, they don't listen to the podcast. Well, for they listeners write- who are lost right now, there is a very Southern twanged uh, swamp uh dwelling hag rubius hagrid uh, that you can can be found over on our patreon um i was like wow that must be a thing doing a southern voice for hagrid may- maybe there's something about the the way that hagrid is written by jk rowling you know because he 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 almost has broken english right in in a lot of mm. the way you know that that, that he speaks yeah. yeah perhaps there's a little bit of of a tendency for people or at least Americans to to draw out that that Southern uh, accent when uh, they're they're doing Hagrid. I think that's right. That's the only thing I, I can think of. Yeah, that makes mm-hmm. sense. If Hagrid came to you guys on your birthdays now, Aww. and he was like, "You're a wizard, Eric. You're a wizard, Micah." Would you like be okay with that, or would you be like, "Uh, oh, too late." Uh, sorry, I, I'm not interested. I got my own thing going on. <laughs> It'd be like, I already bought all my stuff. It's okay. Uh, you know, well, I already... I, yeah, maybe. The reason I ask is because I don't think I would want to be a wizard at this age. Why not? <laughs> like just just starting now? Yeah. Because I've established my life already. I don't need to change things up. <laughs> I would still go on a whim. I would still go to Hogwarts. Unless there was like a vault of cash waiting for me, maybe I would. <laughs> well, that's the big thing, isn't there? <laughs> oh, I can go to Gringotts and suddenly get rich. That sounds cool. Yeah, I'm in it. I'm in it at least through Diagon Alley. I'll see this through. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. Well, happy birthday, uh, Harry Potter and J.K. Rowling. J.K. Rowling, we hope you uh, have fun. I know you're listening to this right now, so hope you have a great time happy on your birthday, Joe. Yeah, and uh, MuggleCast is actually turning 13 on August 7th. Ooh. Yeah. Big one three. Crazy. It's going to be our, our lucky year. I can see it now. We'll have to do something. Uh, if people want to send us uh, birthday wishes via voicemail, uh, you know, we'll, we'll do a reel of them or something. Just call in and be like, you're a wizard, Muggle Cast. <laughs> <laughs> you're 13. Just, uh, yeah, birthday. It's, 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 no, it's no small number to think that... Uh, MuggleCast was the first Harry Potter podcast out there, um, and that we're still able to sit down weekly and have each other, the pleasure of each other's company, um, is just a, a phenomenal treat. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. a birthday treat that keeps on giving. We're having more fun than ever, I would say. Yeah. And we have more plans in the works, so good stuff to come. Mm-hmm. But so on this week's episode, we're going to continue talking about the Fantastic Beast trailer, and we're going to talk about some related news. There were a couple of posters that came out that we didn't get to last week, and there's been some new comments from J.K. Rowling and Ezra Miller that that we're going to discuss. And a new Lego set has been announced, and not just any Lego set. It's the second largest Lego set ever, and it's a Harry Potter one. So 
We'll briefly talk about that. And we got some voicemails today responding to last week's episode in which we talked about this new Crimes of Grindelwald trailer. We got some good feedback, so we're going to play that. And we got some emails, and we got some Patreon responses. So lots to get to today. This is more of a mailbag episode. And then next week, we will resume Half-Blood Prince, chapter by chapter. Also 13 years old now. Ooh. So um, these new Comic-Con posters, pretty cool, right? Um, yeah. This this one is specifically a Comic-Con poster. And like the last Fantastic Beasts Comic-Con poster, it has most of the lead characters. Um, this one has the... What have we been calling them? The Core Four. And then it's got a snake. It's again got the Deathly Hollows. Now it's got Dumbledore and Grindelwald. The snake really gets to me. If you look at this poster, it's woven throughout the whole... Uh, all the rest that's going on in the poster. Mina Lima really pulled out all the stops here to develop this. Mm-hmm. Well, that is... Go ahead. Is the snake being spread out throughout the poster symbolic of the snake being integral to the movie? Mm. Sorry, I have a cold right now. I can barely talk. So good. Uh, I think so. I, I, we know that there is a character who has a blood curse that ultimately turns her into a snake so maybe that's what uh the snake is related to although i kind of thought snake in the grass is somebody not who they appear to be is somebody going to betray another character or a group of characters oh a lot of ways to uh interpret it that is pretty pretty cool um yeah, and I'm I'm looking actually now at each of these panels. You know, in the upper left you have, of course, Jude Law as Dumbledore. Um, but below that is Hogwarts. You have a nice little Hogwarts panel. Yeah. And it looks like on the opposite side you have the French atrium, the Ministry of Magic in France. Yeah. Um, and then in the bottom left there's like just a crowd of people. Did Mina Lima just get lazy? Like that seems really random to include. I a wonder crowd there's of a little people. there's a, there's a little beach umbrella or something in the yeah what's up with that i I feel like we haven't seen anything like this unless it's like the circus crowd yeah but in the on the right hand side though opposite that you have almost two people standing next to each other as silhouettes and then a beast below them like a giant this may be the beast that we're talking about later in the in the in the notes here um the big one the big pink one that we saw in the trailer Mm-hmm. So the one that looks like uh, Falcor from uh, Neverending Story. Yeah, but um, so oh, and actually, one of the most interesting parts about this poster is that if you look behind Queenie, you can see what looks like Grindelwald's symbol. It's it's a G and a mirrored G, and there's a wand going down the middle of the two Gs. Oh wow! And her head cuts it off, but. It almost looks like there's a Deathly Hollow symbol in the center of the two G's. That's I'm not gonna lie, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's a uh, yeah. I really like that symbol, but it is very much swastika like. Mm-hmm. The way that the G's are are um, sharp, edgy mm-hmm. kind of thing looks a lot like that. And we were talking last week about how those giant black curtain type things were covering buildings. It looks like this is on one of those wispy curtains and this is definitely covering an entire building. Oh yeah. So I'm wondering if then that, I mean, that's like super astute. I'm wondering if that means like those curtains that are flying through are Grindelwald 
doing like a public demonstration of his like superiority. Hmm. Yeah. Like um, muggles chased by curtains, you know, like <laughs> the headline of the day. Uh, so scary. But, but, I mean, you know, terrifying. foreboding at the very least. Ominous. Mm-hmm. What about the uh, the right hand side, though, just above Lita and Theseus? What building is that? Yeah, probably something in Paris, right? Or it looks like the Capitol building or mm, some like Washington D- D.C. Like, monument. Yeah, yeah. Um, could be a museum of something. Uh, that would be my guess. And those uh, headpieces are appearing again on either side of the uh, poster. Yeah. Where have we seen those before? On the uh, cover of the screenplay book. Is that so? So a lot to look at in here. I feel like this poster is a lot more detailed than the last Comic-Con poster they did. Um, And there is a Deathly Hallows symbol at the top. And speaking of Deathly Hallows, there was actually a second poster that got released. This one, not specifically Comic-Con, but it's very striking. First of all, it's a white background, so it really pops. And you just, you never really see white posters uh, Yeah, for you films. really don't. Um, but this one has a giant Deathly Hallows symbol taking up the entire frame of the post- poster. And then you see all the cast members, um, you know, all the main ones from the first movie. And then Nicholas Flamel, a woman next to Nicholas Flamel, who we don't know. Um, Micah, your dude that you keep mentioning, Yusuf, he's here. Uh Theseus is here, a new character next to Grindelwald, Grindelwald's like follower who he keeps seeing, that witch who has appeared a couple times, she's here. Rosier. Rosier, thank you. And Abernathy. And Abernathy, yeah. Which... (sighs) Traitor. (laughs) (laughs) We don't know yet. We don't... Yeah, we probably do. I think we do. I think somebody pointed out that he was in... He may have been helping Grindelwald escape in the trailer. He might have been visible. Anyway, um, it also says on this poster, who will change the future? So is that the theme of this film? <laughs> who will change the future? Sounds too much like Cursed Child. I cringe every time I think about it. Um, Ooh, yeah. Because, you know, I mean, if we're talking about, okay, in the established canon of Harry Potter, time is a closed loop, first of all. Everything you do has already been done, has already happened. Your perception of it may change, but it's impossible to change the future in J.K. Rowling's books. Now, so, like, what does this mean? It just it just means who will rise to prominence, who will change their future, who will affect the events that must happen. But everything that occurs in these movies should have as by the time we get to the 1990s and the books already occurred we're like I, I think a lot of the appeal for me and going back in time and seeing this is learning what happened not having an opportunity where they're creating some kind of pocket universe like jj abrams does star trek where it exists in the past but is also brand new and could change the future like well if, I- yeah I'm also wondering, is this who will change the future relate to the Deathly Hallows? Mm. Because the tagline's really big and the Deathly Hallows are really big. The symbol's really big. So I'm wondering if, if these are somehow connected. It's certainly just so artsy. Like, I'm, I'm could, blown yeah. away. Could there be a debate over, like, putting together the Deathly Hallows in this storyline? Like, 
clearly they are going to be used somehow. And were we talking about this, or was I talking about this with somebody else? Like, the Deathly Hollows are getting a lot of attention. This yeah. symbol has really become a part of <laughs> Harry Potter. Yeah, we we were talking about it, but also I think that uh, again, it's it's just going to be. I I hope that it's just that it's Grindelwald's symbol that it has maybe the special significance that we know, meaning like the Death Stick, the Resurrection Stone, the Invisibility Cloak, only to Dumbledore and Grindelwald, and that nobody else knows anything about him other than that it's Grindelwald's symbol. Mm-hmm. What do you make of this, Micah? Yeah, because once you get to Potter, there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of people who take stock in the Deathly Hallows. So it it would be hard for me to believe that either Grindelwald or Dumbledore were able to bring them together. I mean, it's it, definitely Dumbledore, right? I mean, there there is one point in in time where he has all three. Yeah. And he could easily walk off into the sunset and <laughs> do whatever he wants. I don't I'm think that's at the same time, though, is it? No, no, no. But I'm saying for for all the Hallows to come together, you would think if Grindelwald was able to achieve this, that it would have been bigger news. And people yeah. in the age of Harry Potter would know about it. And And not to say that they don't know the tale, but it seems just that. It seems like it is a fairy tale it is it is not widely accepted that these three items are in existence and that they are able to be used but with dumbledore there is a point in time where he possesses all three of these items and if he was truly still that obsessed with then he could have yeah there is one other thing i wanted to bring up about that poster though go ahead Uh, on the left hand side eric that's your guy right grimson um yes the far left is uh grimson so are we to believe then that he is going to be one of grindelwald's henchmen it seems like it i mean he's got an angry face on him and he's also (laughs) over on the grindelwald side he's described as a bounty hunter which is kind of cool too um i i think if i had to guess i'd say grimson is this dude who grindelwald sort of preoccupied with escaping prison and doing all the things that Grindelwald needs to do to get back in charge of things, uh, sends Grimson, the bounty hunter, to get Credence. He's still interested in Credence. He's still interested in, like, coveting his power. He covets his power. But he's going to send Grimson after Credence just to, like, find him uh, Mm. and try and arrange a meeting. Mm -hmm. So that would be my guess. Okay. Who is the woman next to Nicholas Flamel? I've heard heard speculation that that's his wife. Okay. Which, you know, we just don't know. Um, Yeah, I mean, based on how they're positioned, it it seems like they are together in some fashion. I mean, they're associated with one another at the least. Mm -hmm. So, but yeah, she doesn't appear in the trailer or anything. She could maybe be his t- his caretaker because he is very old, and as we saw in the film uh, in the trailer, he you know he can barely handle a handshake. He's he's, he's, he's immortal. He's so that. he's immortal. You know, Eric, I was thinking about this again. Yeah, you were complaining about <laughs> him being weak at like six hundred years old. Yeah, what will ever make you happy? Come on, man, let it go. He's hundreds of years old. 
doesn't matter that he's immortal. I like the idea that the human body has limits, but I dislike the It's just the line in the trailer where he's like, I'm an alchemist and therefore immortal. You know what percentage of alchemists actually succeeded in creating a philosopher's stone? One. You know how many people out there study alchemy? Hundreds of thousands. It doesn't mean you're immortal just because you're a, 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 a philosopher and an alchemist. And then also for him to be 600 years old and weak and brittle, nobody would want that. <laughs> who, would want, who would choose that? But he's so old. I mean, why, why, why is it a problem? <laughs> it's just because I don't want to have to watch. It was hard enough watching John Hurt as Ollivander in, in Deathly Hallows Part 2, uh, you know, at, at, at his older age. Uh, or or it's hard enough watching Sir Richard Harris uh, just be old on screen. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'm ageist, but All right. I honestly, it's just it's just uncomfortable to watch people like in pain on screen. All right. Well, you 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 care. That's that's very. Uh, uh, I guess. I guess moving, it's, it's, but yeah, yeah, maybe. All right. Let's talk about some news now. So there is this new beast that we talk, spoke about in um, last week's episode. This Chinese creature. We're learning more about it. It's it's this one that that really big one that we said looked like it had some chains on it. Um, this interview came out, I think, over in China. Or Japan. Yeah. This is from J.K. Rowling. It's a quick thing. She seems fascinated by this beast. Chinese mythology, there's a Chinese bestiary that is utterly fascinating. The Zulu is terrifying if you're a normal human being and Newt Scamander like a big kitten. This is how it's described in Chinese mythology. Gigantic, elephant-sized cat, five-colored. It really does take a Newt Scamander to contain and look after that beast. So that's all she says about it. We don't know how it gets out or how else it's involved in the story. But just just based on what she said there, she seems very fascinated by this creature. Mm. Like she didn't create it or anything. Right. It came out <laughs> of Chinese mythology. <laughs> it um it is apparently a a f- sort of a friendly kind of benevolent. I was reading about it a little bit, and it like it doesn't hurt people in mythology. It it might be help. It's a bit like Falcor, actually, <laughs> the luck mm. dragon from Neverending Story to bring that back. But um, apparently, I, I'm I'm guessing in this case, if it's been caged, like as part of the circus, it would be dangerous. And what J.K. Rowling said about it, it needing to be Newt who can tame this, I think that's probably spot on. Hmm. Hmm. All right. So it's not the Oni Oni. That'll be a different beast that we see at the circus. Yeah, I was interested in the Oni Oni. Now looking back at uh, that that poster or that um, Oni Oni. the screenplay book cover. Yeah. Mm. All right. And then um, Ezra Miller, there was a little interview with him that came out. He kind of dances around the topic of what is going on with his character. He obviously can't spoil it. But I found this interesting because we are very curious to see what Credence does next. Um, He said there's liberation and there's the confidence that comes with losing the restraints that Credence had in the first film. But then there's also, I think, a massive sense of uncertainty and isolation that comes with casting off everything that's made up who you are for the first part of your life. Yep. And so I think he's also very confused and is really seeking his identity because everything he was taught, everything that he was raised with was a lie that hurt him and held him Mm. back. That's an interesting part of the 
uh, quote that you just read where he says that everything that he was raised with was a lie. Uh, so that leads me to believe that you know, going back to the first trailer that we're definitely going to learn, he may learn more about uh, who he is and the family from which he comes from. What do you mean? He's a little strange. Yeah. Oh, 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 okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Questions. <laughs> Me, thirsty for gay characters is like, that he's gay? That he's Qu- gay? Questions of uh, <laughs> origin and who you are and that kind of thing. Once once the bombshell of his lineage is revealed, I think he'll have everything he needs to know about where he comes from. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. And it's sort of interesting. He'll be looking for, presumably looking for his father uh at the same time missing his former father figure this uh, grave slash grindelwald mm-hmm. uh, and there's another quote here um from him about that he says i think the relationship between credence and graves is a complex one in which they both need and want things from each other and credence is really really ultimately being exploited Grindelwald actually is really taking advantage of Credence's vulnerability, Credence's need for love, and to be recognized and to be seen in the power of his differences from the rest of the people in his world and his life. So it it doesn't seem like the book is shut on Credence being a force for Grindelwald's uh, benefit. Yeah. Interesting. One other news item to talk about before we talk more about the trailer. Um Lego announced a new Hogwarts castle set. This is 6,000 pieces. It is the second largest Lego set ever. And it's the biggest Harry Potter Lego set ever. It looks really impressive. I mean, this is gorgeous looking. I haven't built Legos in well over a decade, but I kind of am interested in this one. Because obviously you've got the outside of the castle to build but they also have a bunch of different rooms within you have umbridge's office you have the chamber of secrets you have the great hall you have what looks like uh a vault within hogwarts oh i guess that's the rumor requirement oh yeah so cool um according to this article the last, excuse me, the last Lego set, Hogwarts Lego set, was only 290 pieces. So we're going from 290 to 6,000. <laughs> um, this one's going to cost $400. Um, I don't, would you, I, I, I kind of want to build this. Mm. I think it'd be well, fun. Andrew, if you get a review copy uh, and we'll invite Micah over, we should all just build it in Chicago. There you go. Are we going to say something, Mike? It, it, the last set, it says it's actually 1,290 pieces, not 290. The one is kind of... Oh, I see. Pushed. It's still much bigger than the last one, but... Right. Yeah. The way that it's written, it That's, looks a little off. Yeah, there's a weird space. It's interesting that the scaling is different. So you have all these... Uh, like All the minifigures actually take up only one uh, size, like one piece versus you know their standard... Oh, yeah. What's what up with that? Fits the system. You know, I saw this documentary, The Toys That Make Us. It's a it's a Netflix um, series, yeah. I guess. And they do an episode on Lego, and it talks about how the Harry Potter and Star Wars licensing literally at one point saved the company. Um, huh. And it's, it's just endlessly fascinating. I would highly recommend it. But they talk about different sets that were released that don't fit the system. Uh, and it just looks like the minifigures of the characters are just the ones like if you put your existing Harry, Ron, Hagrid, 
minifigures next to Hogwarts Castle, they'll be taller than. Um, even at mm-hmm. 6,000 pieces, they don't make it big enough where regular minifigures can fit. But I kind of like the way that it looks from the photo, and I yeah. just love the little boats. Yeah, I think another thing that impresses me with this is there really is so much detail in here. Like, there's, I'm looking at another website now. There's the Hogwarts Founders, the boats, like you said, Hagrid's Hut. They have the Whomping Willow. Whoa. Yeah. And then, like, they have this stairway, the moving staircases going up the tallest tower, it looks like. Can you, they can have you the put that link in the dock? Yeah. I'll see that. It's from the official Lego website. Uh, but it looks like this comes out in September. I just wanted to mention it because this is a record-breaking set for both Harry Potter Legos and Lego on a whole. Um, so They should uh, add it to the studio tour right next to the uh, <laughs> the real-life uh, scaled version of Hogwarts that they used. Actually, it's funny you mention that because I think when they announced it, they have a picture of it with that full... That to scale one in the studio tour. Oh, really? Nice. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. my gosh. I got to say, this Lego website, the official, like, you can zoom all the way in on these photos. Yeah. It yeah. is insane. The the, the 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 level of detail on the rock face on the side of Hogwarts Castle, like, unbelievable, guys. Just un- mm-hmm. unbelievable. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. All right, before we get to some feedback about the Crimes of Grindelwald trailer, it is time to hear from one of our sponsors. This week's episode of MuggleCast is brought to you by Blue Apron. They deliver farm-fresh ingredients and step-by-step recipes to your door. Blue Apron's mission is to make incredible home cooking accessible to everybody, including people like me who never would have cooked otherwise. I love this because we all know the importance of eating good quality food, but it's daunting to create a good home-cooked meal. Gathering the ingredients, following the instructions correctly, making sure you create some fantastic food for friends or family. The pressure's on, but Blue Apron makes it possible. They make it easy to get cooking original, delicious meals. I've been using Blue Apron for over a year now, and it's always exciting to pick your meals and get your boxes. Their website is super easy to use to pick your meals. You can pick between meals for two or four people, and you can switch back and forth. That's a new feature, which is pretty cool. And when the food arrives, you receive exactly what you need presented in this beautiful package. You open up the box, you see all this gorgeous, colorful, fresh food. And then you get cooking. Right now, they're celebrating summer with seasonally inspired recipes. For example, they've got cheeseburgers with spicy slaw and seared chicken and tangy barbecue sauce. Plus, they'll do fun partnerships. Like right now, they've got special meals going on that they created with the TV shows Bob's Burgers and MasterChef. But speaking of summer meals, uh, I recently had the Monterey Jack cheeseburgers topped with poblano and tomato salsa. This is stuff you make. And cheesy pesto chicken calzones with tomato sauce and marinated zucchini. They were so good. (laughs) I'm still dreaming of those calzones. The bread was so good. And these types of meals with unique toppings and ingredients, I would never do without Blue Apron. They open your world up to delicious new opportunities. I want you to try it. We're going to get you free food. I think you're going to be hooked. Check out this week's menu. Get your first three meals free at blueapron.com slash mugglecast. That's blueapron.com slash mugglecast to get your first three meals free. This is free food we're talking about here. Blue Apron is a better way to cook. We asked the uh, well. We didn't really ask a question. We just kind of said, "Hey, we're we're going to be talking about 
the Crimes of Grindelwald trailer. What is it that uh, you have that are your your lingering thoughts from seeing it, or any questions that you might have? We, you know, there wasn't anything specific. We just kind of threw it all out there, and so we got a lot of good comments and a lot of good questions uh, from our patrons. Uh, first up is Michael Latour. He said, in regards to Dumbledore seeing Grindelwald in the Mirror of Erised, I feel that the reason he seem, sees him as current and not the younger version he fell in love with is because maybe what he desires most is for Grindelwald to be captured. Or maybe Grindelwald just has the best socks. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe he just what he desires most is to have the chance to talk to Grindelwald again. Yeah. Yeah, like uh, a hope for reconciliation. Yeah. Yeah, there are a lot of good discussion threads that are going on uh, with uh, several of these comments from other patrons. Uh, mm. Rochelle K says, "What could Nicholas Flamel have to do with this story? Are we going to learn about other achievements he's earned in alchemy?" Yeah, this was a surprising casting when we first heard about it. Uh, it, I feel like it somehow relates to the Deathly Hollows. I can't help but think that you're correct. And I don't know how I feel about that, but it's pretty interesting, right? That that this guy sort of blast from the past, as it were. I think on one hand, Jake Rowling was like, okay, I want to go to Paris. Oh, Nicolas Flamel is French, but he clearly has some kind of a strategic role to play in. I mean, if he was involved in the first war, if, if Flamel was either one of Dumbledore's agents or Dumbledore's allies or you know, kind of like, that would be kind of a big revelation, right? Because it's like, it would be like meeting the Order of the Phoenix before Harry ever learns that they were members of the Order of the Phoenix. Um, Right. Even though the Order of the Phoenix was established strictly to take down Voldemort, uh, the idea of like a precursor allies of Dumbledore being called together to fight the war, it's amazing because we hear that Dumbledore and Flamel were um, pen pals, basically. But to think that he has something to do with the war is pretty special. Mm. True. And you got to remember that um, in the trailer, we see him with Newt and Jacob. It almost seems like it'll just be like kind of like a comic relief sort of scene. Yeah. Working with Nicholas Flamel in some way. <laughs> you know, maybe they're going to him to get immortality for Jacob because he's a muggle. <laughs> he shouldn't be in these movies uh, in the, in harm's way. So they got to get him some protection. You know, his skull is susceptible to breakage. That's some protection. That's, <laughs> that's the that's ultimate forever. Protection. Yeah. And, and for that reason, I don't think that could be what's going on because who wants to live forever well it's kind of like uh yeah not if you wither and and nearly die um i will say just a little protection like in zelda breath of the wild you have this power that'll resurrect you but it has to recharge maybe 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 he will just he if if god forbid jacob is killed he will be resurrected but only once he just gets one chance <laughs> it's it's kind of like putting time turners in a story and you're like oh but that's a huge plot hole because now in future installments everyone can just use a time turner when something doesn't go right putting the philosopher's stone putting this uh elixir of life maker guy who's still got another 55 years left in him uh in into the movie kind of opens up the gates for people needing to use his borrow his elixir like Mm-hmm. You know, at least at the end of book one, Joe had the sense to destroy the stone. Um, 
you know, and, and that way it wouldn't be used again. And there were real stakes in the world, but with Nicholas Flamel, there may not be. And I think I might be okay with that because mm-hmm. I'm, t- I'm weary of these films getting it's, too dark. What, what I find to be particularly interesting about this and including him in this story is that we were always taught that Voldemort was the one who really wanted immortality. And yeah. I think it was on a previous episode, Eric, you felt that it would almost be a cop-out to have Grindelwald want to achieve the same thing. I don't necessarily think that Grindelwald is after immortality. So why Nicholas Flamel, why the Sorcerer's Stone potentially being incorporated into this story, unless others are just trying to steal it away from him? Mm. It just, it would be weak to have two villains looking to ultimately achieve the exact same thing yeah i th- i completely agree with you and with myself from earlier but i think too maybe it's just the stakes of having magic in this world like older like children will play with charms and and spells that turn desks into pigs and all that but like grown wizards they're interested in the heavy stuff right they the immortality thing the fact that you actually have an adult wizard in these films who's functionally immortal um that's just par for the course of having a movie about adult wizards maybe right right like sure there's just this guy over here don't ask him his age uh he won't lie about it you know um i ju- i wonder if it's it's not in fact just that he'd be a good ally to have. Um, yeah. I am tired of immortality. You're right. But what if one of Grindelwald's causes is thinking that all wizards should live forever? That would be interesting. And then Newt goes to Nicholas Flamel and is like, Hey, so there's this guy out there who thinks everyone should live forever. So (laughs) if you run into him, if he comes for you, just, Mm -hmm. I don't know. It, it don't just doesn't seem like it's his, it's his shtick right now. Yeah. It, it, Voldemort definitely. Voldemort feared death more than anything else. So he found ways to anchor himself to the earth. Mm-hmm. Yes. But mm-hmm. anyway. Yeah. Let's go on to uh, Danielle here who says, I think Andrew said he thought Dumbledore seemed playful in the trailer, like the Dumbledore of old. I was surprised because I got the manipulative, manipulative feel from him in the trailer. Perhaps my perception of him is affected by what we learned in Deathly Hallows. Still, I'm excited to see how he's presented in the film. When he was teaching Newt in the classroom, I thought he was very kind and playful. And I liked that Dumbledore. Um, In the present day that we see when he's interacting with Newt again, I thought he was playful again. Yes, probably a little manipulative. manipulative, um, But I guess that is him being manipulating, right? Like, He's being playful and kind to manipulate. Yeah. Yeah. He's playing on your affections for that little beard of his uh, to make you do what he wants. And that yeah. hat. That I'm hat. having a hard time, ex- time accepting that hat. I, that's, it's, it's, I don't know. I'm on the fence still. How do you say no to a face like that? A face <laughs> right. like Jude's. Yeah. Super manipulative. Um, the whole line from the trailer, if I were you, I'd probably refuse as well. He knows Newt's not going to refuse. That's not even right. a question. But he has to appear as though he's, what's what's the word? Like, sub, sub oh, is, it's up to you. Yeah. It's totally up to you. You don't have to. Yeah. yeah. He's also, there is some sort of card or something that he hands to Newt. And then he 
takes it back when Newt is like, uh, I don't know. And then he walks away with that card. I don't know if that's anything significant, but... Is that his passport that. to Paris? <laughs> yeah. Free free baguettes. <laughs> Buy one, you... get one. I have a, I have a frequent uh, patron discount. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow, he's so manipulative. I'll tell you what, Newt. You go to Paris for me, I'll hook you up with some baguettes. <laughs> Yo, the food's good there. Here's a gift card. Gift card. <laughs> well, speaking of Paris, uh, Lauren says, I still want to know how Jacob finds himself with Newt for movie two. Seems a bit reckless on Newt's part to bring him along. He is a muggle after all. Not sure how he fits into the story apart from the comic relief love interest for Queenie. Yeah, we don't know how he gets, how even Newt can get over there. But I think one idea that we had was Newt would have a book release party and then Jacob could come over to celebrate. Yeah, because that's still happening in this movie too, isn't it? There was a Supposedly. poster. Re- yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. There was a photo of. A photo uh, of Diagon Alley with the poster outside Flourish and Blot saying this is happening. Yeah, yeah. So that I think that makes a lot of sense. I had a harrowing thought when you just read that comment and I was like, oh, what if. Because I'm like, doesn't he have a bakery to run? But what if his bakery is destroyed by followers of Grindelwald? Like, oh, that'd be so sad. Right? And then Newt says, hey, come to Paris. I know some good baguettes <laughs> it's over safer there. safer here. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Hmm. Liberius, I'm still wondering how Credence factors into the larger story. So we went from Jacob to Credence. Will he be reunited with his true family, or will Grindelwald manage to capture him? I do hope in the next couple of movies he gets to become an actual wizard, but should he go to Hogwarts since he's a Lestrange, or Ilvermorny since he was raised in America? I was surprised to see Abernathy, of all people, back in this movie. I bet he was working for Grindelwald the whole time and was maybe the one behind the disappearance of the real Percival Graves. There will be many revelations in this movie for sure. Yeah. Well, I think Credence is going to get involved by... I think... Well, I think Grindelwald's still going to want to manipulate him and maybe bring him over to his side, but I think Newt will also be trying to get Credence on his side. Maybe Newt goes to the circus and sees Credence there. Oh, hey, you. (laughs) Yeah. Taps on the glass, right? (laughs) So uh, you're not still talking with that guy, are you? You know he's no good for you, right? But definitely the family tie, I think, is going to be huge here because we know that based on what we saw on that wall, whether it was in the sewers somewhere or who knows what building it was inside. Maybe it was Grindelwald's. Somebody speculated it could have been Grindelwald's cell. Uh, yeah. that he kind of mapped this all out in. But uh, if it is true that he is, in fact, a Lestrange, then we know what Queenie says about the Lestranges. Uh, in the first movie, we know from our experience with other Lestranges and Potter that uh, they tend to be a little bit more on the dark side of things. So could that be tempting to Credence? Could Grindelwald use that to his advantage? I think definitely. Yeah. Credence would probably go to Hogwarts over Elmer Morning because of his lineage, but I would say that uh, I don't know if, I, we really don't know yet if he can even cast a spell. The fact that he's an Obscurus comes from his suppressing his magical ability, and it almost like inverted to create the Obscurus. So I don't, I don't know if he could just brandish a wand and actually shout some spells anymore because his magic or like the source of his magic is so twisted and has become this beast. Like he can instantly morph into a city crushing obscurial 
or Obscurus, but I don't know that he could wave a wand ever. Mm. Kind of an interesting <laughs> idea. Yet. Yeah. Yeah. That would be cool if he went to Hogwarts, like a late bloomer Hogwarts <laughs> career. I, would, I could see Ezra Miller with a bunch of 11-year-olds like in the Great Hall sipping on <laughs> pumpkin juice. I could see that. Or maybe Dumbledore can direct him to a school that teaches wizards in their older years. Mm. Oh, yeah. Sort of like, you know, how people go back to school yeah. in mm-hmm. their 30s or even older. I do think yeah. it'll be interesting to see that relationship between Dumbledore and Credence especially given what happened to Ariana and will, will he take credence under his wing and and try and almost make good for what he couldn't do for his sister. Yep. Uh, Amazing. Amazing. Totally. A couple more here. Jessica Hardy says uh, talking, we we brought up the fact that um, at least one battle scene seems to be taking place inside a cemetery and she says that is the famous Highgate Cemetery in London, where most notably Karl Marx, amongst many famous others, are buried. I wonder what they are doing there. That's the crypt section, searching for something, the stone. Mm. Ooh, I did. Uh, I googled the Highgate Cemetery, and and it's definitely uh, has a lot of uh, character to it. A lot of statues and and other um, even animals that are that are carved out. Uh, in in different um, hmm. sculptures, so uh, so it's a very iconic. It's a good cemetery, right? Yeah, yeah it's good c- cemetery for theater. <laughs> Maybe they're gonna dig up Karl Marx. They're gonna bring back uh, <laughs> communism. Yeah, and, uh, well, start the Red Scare in America. It's inter- Wizards did it. It's you interesting know. you say that because I think it leads into Justin's comment here, and and we're gonna have to think on this one because I think he did a really good job putting this together. Uh, He said, I think the two biggest themes of the trailer were the populist movement that Grindelwald is spreading and the timid response from Dumbledore. You can compare this to the U.S., most powerful wizard slash most powerful country, and its response to what was happening at the time. So he's Mm -hmm. comparing this to the U.S.'s initial lack of response uh, with World War II. Uh, yeah. I also think of J.K. Rowling being against Brexit and the nationalist movements going on in the U.S. and Europe. These events were happening around the time that Fantastic Beasts went from being three films to five. We also have Heyman saying that Grindelwald is a scarier villain than Voldemort because he is more persuasive. Is it possible that the Wizarding World falls prey to these populistic ideas and movies three, four, and five are all fought from the trenches, similar to Deathly Hallows Part 1? Could we have Dumbledore attempting diplomacy until a Pearl Harbor-level Harbor event, I know that wasn't the Germans, oh. uh, forces him to get directly involved in movie five? We already have Grindelwald and Dumbledore prominent in the films. I don't see how you make five of them without our heroes being pushed into the mud and having to dig themselves out. Oh, that's really interesting, yeah. Because we have a voicemail coming up about, you know, there's so much going on. And I... I still wonder like what the hell is going on in five movies but yeah maybe things do get so bad that they are gonna have to dig themselves out of a hole and i do like this idea of how dumbledore is gonna have to get involved like all right i've been trying to have other people do my work i see i need to get involved in this now yeah i mean i like the idea that we speculated that he's there's an unbreakable vow which prevents dumbledore from interfering until it's too late until it's basically he absolutely needs to and risks his own life to do it mm-hmm. but 
yeah, I don't I don't know what's going to happen in movie three, movie four. I certainly hope that movie two kind of gives us like more of a blueprint than the first film did as far as where all five of them are going. Um, yeah, but no idea. I'm kind of still waiting for there to be that one detraction, like whether it's movie three or movie four, like where's the book six in these in this movie series where it's light, it's fluffy. You're still learning things, but like people are shacking up you know fun (laughs) fun stuff like loyalties will be tested sure 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 that's all great but where's like my you know slug ron being dumb dinner yeah cormac mcclagan kind of style you know where's that movie that's what nicholas famel's here for and uh (laughs) yeah jacob i'm telling you nicholas famel is gonna be some light-hearted stuff yeah he's gonna offer some light-hearted stuff i'm so old an old man, he can't, come on, you gotta you gotta go easy on him in these movies. Mm. There's a man out there who wants to do what? <laughs> oh, no, no, no. No, no, no. What's Mr. Dumbledore doing? <laughs> the podcast, you say? What is that podcast? Yeah, we're 13. Don't touch my hand. I'm old. Ha ha, old jokes. <laughs> oh, man. You have a bakery, Mr. Jacob? <laughs> Give me some bread. Just kidding. I don't eat. I'm 600. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Let's listen to some voicemails now. Hey, MuggleCast. This is Leah calling from Virginia. I've been a longtime listener, and I just listened to your um, Fantastic Beast trailer podcast and just have a couple thoughts. Um, So first of all, the big thing that I was hoping you guys would talk about and you didn't was the mirror of Erised, and I know you talked about him seeing Grindelwald in the mirror, but I was really shocked that it was Grindelwald and not Ariana, um, because I'd always assumed, and I know, I believe you guys have talked about it before, that, uh, you know, theorized that what Grind or what Dumbledore would see in the mirror would actually be the same thing that Harry sees, is seeing his family back together. So I was really shocked to see that Grindelwald was in the mirror instead of Ariana. Um, so that was my first thing. And then my second thought was um, uh, when you all were talking about the line, do you think Dumbledore would mourn for you? Um, it just really reminded me of the whole pig for slaughter discussion. And I see a lot of parallels there between Harry and Newt being instruments um, of Dumbledore in sort of his quest against dark wizard so i was just wondering what you guys thought about that um thanks for the show love to hear your guys thoughts bye grindelwald um has had a couple of great lines so far in that last movie when he's in the first movie when he says will we die just a little it was kind of like an invitation to the battle ahead and then in this one i i think again he's He's saying something very simple, but there's a lot of depth to it. Do you think Dumbledore would mourn for you? And I absolutely think, I, I agree with Leah. There's, he is referring to their failed relationship in the past. Yeah, friendship mm. or Ariana. Um, I, uh, yeah. That's uh, and maybe mm. Newt is not aware of that just yet. Uh, and and I think for trailer purposes too, it, it may not have been i i do think they want to build up subtly that 
relationship that exists between Dumbledore and Grindelwald. And certainly for fans of the series to see Dumbledore look into the mirror and see Grindelwald, it it helps to make that connection. I don't know if putting Ariana in there right now would have achieved that. I I think we're definitely going to learn about what happened and it's definitely going to come to light. But I think for the purposes of something as big as a trailer, it's almost like an aha moment when you see him looking into the mirror and see Grindelwald. Yeah, I I would agree. You know, it occurred to me that when they finally do show Ariana, uh, they're going to have to recast the actress from the one who played her portrait in Deathly Hallows Part 2. Which is slightly well, we're, sad. We're used, well, yeah. we're used to that, though. I mean, they recast Grindelwald, recast yeah. Dumbledore. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, I know. It was just, it's a weird thing to hold on to, but I was like, oh, but, you know, I was interested in knowing more about that character and just, I don't know, that actress. Mm-hmm. I know it's just a portrait, but it seemed like, you know, quiet little girl minding her own will, business. Will they go with a big name act- actress <laughs> uh, to yeah. sell us on yeah. it? I don't, I don't, Ooh. This big woman is is joining the series. That's big news. Yeah. Um. All right. So thanks for that voicemail. I thought that was that was a good one. Here is our next one. Hey guys, it's Matt from Canada. Um, I have a relatively vague question about the whole, I guess, uh, Crimes of Grindelwald meets Fantastic Beasts kind of question. Um, after seeing the trailer, what do you guys think about the fact that? We have five movies in total, and we're on the second one, and you see all this crazy action, and Grindelwald's doing this, and Dumbledore's doing that. Do you think that we might be getting to the end too quickly, and at any point, we might um, kind of get stuck in the middle where we're just trying to fill movies? Because, I don't know, I personally feel that five movies is a lot to fill, and I hope it doesn't become a cash grab where, like, three, four, it's kind of like, oh, we could have just hopped right to five. So... I don't know. Um, just food for thought. We have uh, many years of speculating. And um, yeah, so thanks so much for the show, guys. You're doing a great job. And uh, have a great day. I think there are so many characters in this new movie that J.K. Rowling is padding her series with tons to dive into over the next mm-hmm. few movies. And related to that, before we hear from you two, let me play this other voicemail, which is somewhat related. This is Rebecca from North Carolina, and I just finished listening to your trailer episode, and I am super excited for the new movie, but I just have a question. Since this whole thing has started, it seems like there is so much this movie is going to cover. We have Grindelwald. We have Grindelwald and Dumbledore's backstory. We have Newt's backstory. We have Newt's love triangle. We have... Jacob and Queenie, we have the circus, we have Credence, we have Nicholas Flamel. My question is, how is this all going to fit in the movie, and can they do it, right? That seems like a lot. So anyway, I'd love to hear your thoughts about how this is all going to come together and how all these strings are going to tie up. Um, thanks for everything you guys do. Bye. She answered the question that came previously. <laughs> well, sort of. Right. It's a good, good pairing of... Uh, I I, I love that there is speculation that these films will feel padded at the same time that there are speculation that how will they fit all this that where we know that they are going to have to do into just five movies. Um, The answer is somewhere in the middle. I think that they could do a movie that's just about the Newt, uh, Lita and Newt's brother 
love triangle if they wanted to. Um, maybe we'll actually have characters break off and not be in a movie. Honestly, mm-hmm. like that, that could be like maybe Newt is sidetracked in Italy, like randomly for movie three or movie four, um, just as like a thing. And we learn a lot about, you know, tangential stuff, which may not seem like it has anything to do. And then by movie five, it does. I don't know. They could do a bunch of things. Um, I think with it, Mike, what side are you on? There's too much here. There's not enough for five movies. Uh, I think there'll be enough for five movies. The, what I was going to go off of what Eric said was just location. I think a lot of what these movies are about, even though they are about Dumbledore and Grindelwald, Newt go on and on and on with all these other characters. They're about getting exposure to the wizarding world in, in places that we didn't get in the Harry Potter films, right? We're, we're in America and now we're in France and we'll see where we'll be going in the future based on that tweet that JK Rowling made. To me, that's what it's about. It's about seeing more of the wizarding world outside of Hogwarts and outside of England. I do worry a bit that JK Rowling is overwhelming this story with too much going on. Cause that can be a real problem in movies where there's too many characters and then you're bumping around to try to squeeze in all these different storylines and then it just becomes too much. Well, there it's, yeah. So I, I wouldn't be surprised by movie three or movie four. We're like, ah, thank God, she. We're refocusing here. We're we're the story has narrowed itself down again because I think of like the Avengers where there's so many characters, yeah. that you don't get to spend much time with any of them, and then you know you have a hard time connecting with these characters. Yeah, and he- heaven forbid you miss one of the twenty Avengers movies, like MCU movies. Yeah. Prior to it, you're like, oh, like if you missed a. Uh, Ant-Man, there's a whole 15 or 20 minutes of Civil War that you just won't get, um, yeah. kind of. I mean, or, look at this poster we were talking about earlier. There's like, I'm going to count how many characters are on it right now, but like, yeah. there are a lot. I will say, I did feel that, I felt the same exact way about J.K. Rowling's choice to include Grindelwald in the Fantastic Beasts initially. Like, because I was perfectly happy with a you know, potentially one-off film about just beasts, magical beasts, and the guy who catches them. Um, But I think many people would find that that was boring or not interesting. Andrew, yourself included, based on what you said last week, like, if there wasn't this shoehorned, you know, Grindelwald thing as part of the DNA, part of the main backbone of Fantastic Beasts, would you even want to watch Fantastic Beasts at all? I... I couldn't see five movies of what we saw in the first movie. Yeah. I, I, you said you, you're really into, you know, new tracking down the beast, but I would not care about that for multiple movies. Yeah. But so you I do like or you don't care about the Grindelwald stuff? No, I do care. Oh, okay. I like that it's getting darker. I like that there's a big story to tell here between Grindelwald and Dumbledore and Newt yeah. somehow and Ariana and all that. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, I just don't like the, 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 I couldn't. I wouldn't be able to deal with the beef of the first Fantastic Be- Beast movie. Like the meat of that movie was Newt rounding up these beasts and saving the day after the breakout. Yeah. No. All right. Here's our next voicemail. Hi, my name is Sarah, and I've been listening to MuggleCast since it first came out, thanks to my friend Sarah, who previously guest hosted the show. Um, I just wanted to talk about uh, the fact that you guys. We're talking about Johnny Depp last episode, and excusing Johnny Depp because he looks cool uh, is an extremely harmful way of reassessing the situation. Almost every woman I've met has a story of harassment or abuse, 
and I can't help but think of all the men who have been excused of such crimes due to surface-level actions or stereotypes. As a lifelong Harry Potter fanatic, I've also been really struggling with how to proceed and process this portrayal of Grindelwald. I just wanted to check you on this privileged conversation because I love and have grown up with you guys and hope that this challenges the way you view the scenario. I, for one, will be donating double the cost of the movie ticket to a local domestic abuse shelter. I hope you still consider something similar as an option. Thanks. Bye. I'm so glad Sarah did, like, address this. Um, we asked for people to address this. Like, I, I, yeah. I will acknowledge and check, like, or attempt to check the privilege at the door here, but I was specifically interested in getting this kind of feedback when asking about you know, Johnny Depp looks pretty cool. How do we handle that? Yeah. Um, it was not excusing the, the the trauma, the issues here at all. It's calling them to light. Right. I'm interested in further discussion about this. Yeah, and I, I think I misspoke a little bit last week when the way I phrased it. Um, Johnny Depp does look cool, but that is not, you know, <laughs> that's not me forgetting like, oh, he's allegedly an asshole yeah no i mean you and you've done your due diligence like it's on the bottom of every harry potter related article um on hypable like yeah you know crimes of grindelwald so i i ultimately i think what it's what we're doing is trying to have a discussion but people who've made bigger strides than us have to or we're asking that they show us the way um so sarah's uh voicemail you know including what she plans to do uh, about about the movie is is one of what I hope should be many, mm-hmm. you know, that come in on this discussion because I'm. It's going to be harder as we get more footage to be like, yeah, we we still are not down with Grindelwald or Johnny Depp's portrayal of him, and I could use a hand held right now. Yeah, I, I just think it was probably phrased the wrong way on the last episode. By no means yeah. are are any of us looking to excuse what he's done. Uh, but I think we're also trying to figure out the right balance of how to talk about Grindelwald because at the end of the day, he is still portraying this character. Uh, so it's just about you know f- finding the right way to to have that discussion, keeping in mind that there are um, you know some very serious allegations uh, against him. So it's not an easy thing to do. Um, and we're not, and yeah. but I think the three of us by no means and and we spoke about this at length on on a previous episode. Um, we're not looking to absolve anybody of of things that they have done or look past it uh, in any way. Right. Uh, we all, you know, consider it to be uh, very very serious. So yeah. All right, so we have one more voicemail today. We were talking about the Deathly Hallows earlier, and this caller has some strong thoughts on it. Hey, MuggleCast, it's Kennedy. I just want to know how on earth in today's episode you guys did not think that the Deathly Hollows were relevant. We know from the book Deathly Hollows that Ron says that every single child in the Wizarding World knows all the stories in Beetle the Bard. And I'm sure that that does not exclude Grindelwald and Dumbledore. And we talk about this idea of uh, them having some sort of unbreakable vow Maybe what their unbreakable vow has to do with is this idea of creating the Deathly Hollows or becoming masters of death themselves. And we know that J.K. Rowling herself liked a comment on Twitter about Dumbledore being death himself. We know that both 
Grindelwald and Dumbledore at one point or another are in possession of the Elder Wand. We know that the demiguise is a character, a beast, in this new Crimes of Grindelwald movie, and they're used to make cloaks of invisibility. Maybe Newt is important for that reason. Maybe Dumbledore is somehow using him to create a cloak of invisibility or who knows what. Um, maybe he's using him to get to Grindelwald through this idea that, that Newt would know how to catch a demiguise in order to allow Grindelwald to make a cloak of invisibility. And then we also know that Nicholas Flamel is in this upcoming movie. And I won't lie, for the longest time, I thought the Philosopher's Stone and the Resurrection Stone were the same thing. <laughs> They're both stones that can conquer death. And if he can create a stone that prevents you from dying, what's to say that Nicholas Flamel cannot create a stone that allows you to overcome death and come back to life. You know, who's to say that Dumbledore and Newt and everyone in this movie are not working with Nicholas Flamel to find out more about the Resurrection Stone and that this whole unbreakable vow thing doesn't have something to do with the Deathly Hollows. So I'd just like to get y'all's thoughts and maybe have y'all toy with this idea more. I know that these ideas aren't super fully formed, but I mean, it just was totally screaming at me this whole episode. So <laughs> thanks for, you know, thinking about this, considering it. Bye. Mind blown. <laughs> Which yep. part of that? All of it. All of it. If, if we ever get to a point in these movies where uh, we need another telling of the three brothers, like, because these characters don't all know it. A lot of them are American or, you know, muggles. I want Jacob to be the announcer I want the cartoon style to be rapidly different, and I want Jake. Yeah, I want Jacob to narrate it. Just the idea of the implications of what Nicholas Flamel could also be doing, as proposed here in this voicemail, blow my mind. Like I didn't really yeah. think there would be much, but there really could be. Yeah, and I think in terms of um, Nicholas Flamel potentially offering. There, there's got to be some overlap there between the Resurrection Stone and the Philosopher's Stone in that he knows about these stones that offer great <laughs> power. So I think I think they could be going to him and being like, hey, what do you know about the Resurrection Stone maybe? Or hey, what do you know about the Philosopher's Stone that can that relates to what Grindelwald is trying to do with the Deathly Hallows? Yeah. Um, I think it would be important to... Define alchemy, since we do, we're in this with uh, Nicholas Flamel in the long run. Um, and I was pretty sure it was the study of the physical properties of metal, um, which does not, I mean, stones are not necessarily metal. There's ore, but it's not necessarily one and the same. Uh, the Google definition for alchemy is the medieval forerunner of chemistry Based on the supposed transformation of matter, it was concerned particularly with attempts to convert base metals into gold or to find a universal elixir. So if its forerunners are in chemistry, you can kind of see the bleed over between potions and metallurgy. And, you know, if you apply a little heat um, or if you mess things at the atomic level, you get another metal entirely. So I, I can see why like magically it's kind of cool that JK Rowling would be bringing alchemists into the adult wizarding world. 
so I actually want to go back to the to the first voicemail that we got from Leah uh, because I did a little bit of more digging because something was just sticking out in my mind about uh, Aberforth and and some of the comments that he makes in Half Blood Prince, particularly related to Dumbledore and Ariana, and I think this ties in well to what we were discussing with the mirror of Erised. Um, and I know we'll eventually get there in our chapter by chapter discussion. So it's actually pretty relevant to that, uh, as well. He said, funny thing, how many of the people my brother cared about very much ended up in a worse state than if he'd left them well alone. Hmm. So I don't know what you guys think about that. Um, there's also this quote, my brother Albus wanted a lot of things, and people had a habit of getting hurt while he was carrying out his grand plans. You get away from this school, Potter, and out of the country if you can. Forget my brother and his clever schemes. He's gone where none of this can hurt him, and you don't owe him anything. Yeah. Yeah, well, I think this kind of relates to what Grindelwald was saying. Yeah, pretty scathing trailer. indictment of Albus's uh, methods. Uh, yeah, which is so fascinating coming from his own brother. I mean, that's that's rough. Mm-hmm. But if if it is you know Grindelwald that his is in his heart's desire and not his sister alive and well be by his side, that is a little twisted, a little, a little upsetting. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then just this final one because it does reference Grindelwald. It says Albus told me I had to finish my education and he'd take over from my mother. Bit of a come down for Mr. Brilliant. There's no prizes for looking after your half-mad sister, stopping her blowing up the house every other day. But he was all right for a few weeks till Grindelwald came. Hmm. So, can Aberforth please be in this movie and just He's be throwing shade at Dumbledore in the entire movie? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that Dumbledore! There he goes again, well, manipulating probably, somebody. They probably cast like time. Robert Downey Jr. as Aberforth or something. Oh my God, that'd be pretty cool actually (laughs) all right so we're gonna wrap things up today with a chicken soup for the muggle cast soul we haven't done one of these in a while hi my name is andrea andrea from san diego and i recently went blind i've never really gotten into podcasts but my boyfriend found yours and i was hooked i had four surgeries in a span of seven weeks in hope of saving some sight but it didn't work So basically, I'm sending this to say thank you for keeping me company through the hardest time of my life. You all made me smile and made a terrible time of my life a bit more magical. As Albus Dumbledore once said, happiness can be found in the darkest of times if one only remembers to turn on a light. You guys were that light. So truly, thank you from the bottom of my Hufflepuff heart. Thank Um, you, Andrea. That's really sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Thank, Thank you very much for writing in. Yeah. And uh, hopefully we can continue to kind of, you know, turn on a light. And also, luckily for you, there are so many podcasts out there that can keep you company. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. One thing I wanted to mention that I meant to include in last week's episode, but I forgot and almost forgot in this week's episode, Lethal White the next Corman Strike novel by some novelist named Robert Galbraith mm. is coming out September 18th. It finally got a release date and a cover and a synopsis. And it actually sounds really, really good. What's the synopsis? Well, 
When Billy, a troubled young man, comes to Private Eye Corman Strike's office to ask for his help investigating a crime he thinks he witnessed as a child, Strike is left deeply unsettled. While Billy is obviously mentally distressed and cannot remember many concrete details, there is something sincere about him and his story. But before Strike can question him further, Billy bolts from his office in a panic. Uh, Blah, 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 blah. Uh... During this labyrinth investigation, Strike's own life is far from straightforward. His newfound fame as a private eye means he can no longer operate behind the scenes as he once did. Plus, his relationship with his former assistant is more fraught than it has ever been. Robin is now invaluable to Strike in the business. Um, It's described as the most epic Robert Galbraith novel yet. A gripping mystery, page-turning, next installment in the ongoing series. Hmm. I uh, yeah. I just began the third book in the series, and I am really enjoying uh, Strike and Robin's interactions and mm. um, the books in general. Two was a hard pill to swallow because it was very very dark, but I'm I'm guessing that um, there's further adventure and excitement in the next two books. So I'm I'm pretty excited. Yeah, yeah. I think they get better and better. Yeah, in my opinion. Um, so yeah, September, and if the page count on Amazon is to be believed, this is going to be the longest one yet. Just like how the fourth book in the Harry Potter series was <laughs> J.K. Rowling's longest one But yet. hopefully she doesn't feel rushed. Yeah, I don't think so. I mean, she's definitely taken her time, It's it seemed, doesn't it? And this one, by the way, I, I looked at the page counts of the first three books. This one's longer by 100 to 150 pages. Wow. Compared to the other books, yeah, so... And I think that might have to do with getting into more of Strike's private life with Robin. Uh, and Rokeby? Oh, I forget. His dad? Oh, oh okay. Maybe. 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 I forget. <laughs> it's been a <laughs> well, while. I think we're due for a reread. At, right, as soon as we finish Half-Foot Prince, we should go into the Strike books for sure. Yeah. Um, well, when this one comes out in the fall, we should definitely offer our thoughts on it. For sure. Um, I'll definitely read it as soon as it comes out. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, so that's happening. Uh, and uh, let's wrap up today's episode with some quizage. Hooray. This is everyone's favorite open book exam, weekly open book quiz of the Harry Potter series. This is actually, um, we were talking about the trailer. So last week's question is trailer themed. Um, and the question was, the actor who plays Grimson, Ingvar Egert Sjögrsson, was born on a special date in uh, world history. Uh, what is that date? What's the significance? This bounty hunter, um, who may be sent theoretically after Credence, he was born on November 22nd, 1963. Do either of you guys know what the significance of that date is? No. No. Okay. That was the date <laughs> that President John Fitzgerald Kennedy was uh, assassinated. Um, oh, of course. Down of course. in Texas. So big thing. I just happened to see that while looking him up last week, and I thought, I need to get some U.S. history, get some get some world history in uh, in in the pages here for for a little uh, little side track sort of thing. So that's pretty cool. Uh, big congratulations to the few people who got it. Over on Twitter, this is where you submit your Quizich questions. Jenna, Justin, Count Ravioli again, everybody's favorite. Robin, Jason King, and Erica. Um, there were others uh, as well, so thank you all for playing. 
And um, this next week's question kind of takes it back to the books and not only that, but book one. I recently played a quiz um, on bookriot.com that called itself the hardest Harry Potter quiz ever. So I'm now sourcing questions from there. And uh, the questions from book one, actually, on what floor is Vernon Dursley's office in his drill company in Grunnings? What oh, f- that's easy. What floor is it? Oh, yeah? Do you know it? No, it's not. No, it's not easy. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll do that because we're between uh, getting back to chapter by chapter next week, but um, there's not any specific big facts in Spinner's End to get down to. So, Oh, okay. That's what we'll do. I'm, I meant to mention something, by the way, um, earlier uh, concerning, concerning these Corbin Strike novels. Whenever I go to a used bookstore, I look out for the first Corbin Strike novel because mm. there are some books out there that don't have J.K. Rowling's name inside of it. Yep. And those are valuable. So if you ever see one in a used bookstore, open it up and look at that inside flap. And it say, if, it, if it doesn't say, Robert Galbraith is a pseudonym for J.K. Rowling, you've got a valuable book on your hand. So buy it and then send it to me, please. Cuckoo's <laughs> calling hardcover. Right. Mm-hmm. I ran into one at a thrift store the other day. Oh, really? I saw it sitting there on the shelf. I was like, is this it? Is this going to be the one? And it wasn't. No. I haven't actually found one yet. but And I do have my own copy because when that first book was revealed to be J.K. Rowling, I ran out to Barnes & Noble. Yeah. And I think they only had like two. Yeah. Same. I stupidly gra- gave one away to somebody. I should have kept it for myself. <laughs> Flipped it on eBay. Life regrets. I've had a few. Yep. Yep. All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening. We just wanted to briefly mention that uh, Eric and I will be at LeakyCon 2018 in Dallas. It's August 10th to the 12th. So uh, if you are there, if you're going to be there, uh, please say hi. We would love to see you. We'll be on a couple of panels um, and we'll be floating around the conference. So yeah. What panels are you slated for? Uh, you know, I'm, <laughs> I don't want to say in case they change. Oh, okay. Okay. Who knows? Yeah, it's, what. St- it's still up in the air. We, we looked it up and it's, it's, it's up in the air. If you what go, panels are you on? I will, t- I will happily talk about them because I don't think these are changing, but, um, if you go to leakycon.com and you can click on this year's schedule, be careful because they are announcing two more leaky cons in 2019. Uh, so don't click on the wrong link or there won't be the schedule there. But if you search, uh, for Andrew Sims or Eric Skull, you'll get a list of the panels that we're on. Uh, I am on four during this conference, two on Friday. One is called Fandom You, The Stuff You Might Have Missed. Another is called Magical Objects and the Muggle World. Um, probably get into some talk about this Sorcerer's slash Philosopher's Stone, actually, on that, on that one, because um, I think I'm running it. Uh, on Saturday, then, the big, big, big panels on Saturday... Uh, books versus movies. I'm really, really excited uh, to get on that panel with uh, Promo Coslo, who's a longtime friend. Um, and uh, then at 4.30, Doctors Granger and Granger DDS, um, uh, a panel all about Hermione's parents with Diana Davis, who I've just met and is who's very lovely. And I'm looking forward to speaking with her more um, as well about Hermione's parents. Okay. I'm doing a panel in which I just talk like Nicholas Swimmel for an hour. <laughs> it's, it's coming up uh, alongside your Dumbledore uh, impression. I don't know what makes it. And they're so distinctive, too. They're not the same. 
but I, you know, thank I, you. I mean, I don't have any talent, so that's the one thing I can really get behind. Old man voice. What? All yeah. right. Well, uh, thanks everybody for listening. We really appreciate your support and your listenership over the years. Just a quick plug for something we haven't um, asked you for in a while. If you could leave an, a review on our iTunes page, we would really appreciate that. Or whatever podcast store you subscribe to us from, if you left us a quick review or a rating, we would really appreciate that. Just to get some fresh reviews in there. want to let other pe- everybody know, uh, especially you patrons, that the mugs, the Mugglecast mugs, are going out now. And uh, people have been receiving them. We've seen pictures of them arriving and people having their morning coffee or tea from them. So that's been great. And Eric, because he is adamant about providing the best customer service possible, has created a form on the Patreon that you can fill out to let us know how your mug arrived, if it arrived in good condition. Uh, because of the uh, fragil- fr- fragility, fragility that's a word. of the mug, yeah. of mugs. Um, some of them have broken, but don't worry. We are going to send you another one if yours does break. Not with yeah. the same so delivery they're... person, though. No, we're going with someone else. We're using an owl <laughs> to get it to you. Them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, there have been a couple that have uh, been cracked in transit. So uh, definitely let us know. And, and, and there's a whole process and procedure. But the information that you need is all on Patreon, our lovely friends. And in the meantime... Tweet at us and enjoy your mug. Enjoy your morning. Yes. Joke. Yes. Uh, if you haven't subscribed, if you haven't pledged to our Patreon, we would love your support. We're going to be sending out a physical gift every year. Yep. We don't know what next year's will be, but it'll be good. We it's promise. included in your patron subscription. You also get ad-free MuggleCast. You get access to our show notes. You get access to our recording studio. You can listen live as we record Ooh. every weekend. Uh, you can also participate in uh, discussion segments. And uh, we post bonus MuggleCast there. Lots, 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 lots of stuff at patreon.com slash MuggleCast. Thanks, everybody, for your support. It is what keeps this show going weekly. We're rocking and rolling and loving it. Rocking and rolling. All right. And then final plug, uh, MuggleCast.com. Everything you need in the history of ever is right there. A lot of people have asked, hey, uh, the, the RSS feed only goes back so far. I know. I'm sorry. We would delete them because back in the day we didn't want the uh, the RSS feed getting too long. It would it would be it would it would be a big file. It'd be it would be clunky. The server. Yeah, people people's casters couldn't handle that. Yeah, yeah. So um, you can get all the old episodes going back mm-hmm. to be to the beginning of our thirteen year history uh, at the website. You can download them and then throw them into your iTunes or whatever app you use to sync with your yeah. mobile and- device. Good that you bring that up, though, Andrew, because it's, it's funny. Earlier this week, I happened to give a listen to our 200th episode, particularly our, our interview with uh, producer David Heyman. And it was just so interesting listening to him talk about so many things that have now come to fruition. Just, you know, oh. things like the theme park. Um, you know, he was asking oh, wow. Eric, Eric very excitedly, did you go? Have you seen it? You know, and, and <laughs> you know, just all these different things that – you know, we've seen come to light over the course of the last few years. And uh, uh, so th- there is that interview over there. I encourage people to go uh, give it a listen. We have a wall of fame with interviews uh, with, you know, cast and crew, as I mentioned, David Heyman, David Yates, Oliver Phelps, Ivana Lynch, Warwick Davis. Uh, the list is is good, I think, minus J.K. Rowling, of course. But hey, look, 
one day, right? Uh, and it's just great to to kind of reflect back and and see just how passionate all these people were and still are uh, about about the series. It, it would be great, I think, to talk to David Heyman again now, several years later, and with him working on Fantastic Beasts. So maybe we can uh, make that happen. Maybe for episode four hundred. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, and then the most recent uh, that we added to the Wall of Fame, I think, was Ivana Lynch when we had her on. Yeah, last she that was, was great. A lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It talked about Newt, her character's ancestor mm-hmm. in law. But that's also an easy way for people to uh, just take a look at at some of the episodes that we've gotten the most feedback on, and we think are worthy of uh, giving a, another listen to. We are going to continue our chapter-by-chapter series next week. So if you have any feedback about Chapter 2 in Half-Blood Prince, any questions, any analysis, send it in in. via the feedback form or the voicemail line. Uh, You can find that info at MichaelCast.com. And uh, we'll try to include it on the episode. Yep. So, all right, let's wrap this up. It's time to get reading. Yeah. Ready for next week. I'm Andrew. I'm Eric. And I'm Micah. Goodbye. Bye.